What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Coast to Coast. I am Ronan Gain. Joining me as always, Christian Nambu. We're also joined by old friend of the podcast, Tim Thornquist, to discuss an absolutely insane NBA trade deadline. So much happening. So many players have moved. Major changes. Kevin Durant is a Phoenix son. We haven't even started talking about it. We already got to take a breath. We got to we got to just relax a little bit. Take it all in. We're going to get into it. We're going to cover the major trades out in the East, out in the West. We're going to do it all. But this is our first podcast since LeBron James became the all-time leading scorer in the NBA. My boy did it. It, it, it felt underwhelming a little bit because they ended up losing. But an absolutely unbelievable achievement. What he has done, he's broken what was thought to be an unbreakable record. The so-called non-scorer is now the greatest point scorer in the history of the NBA. I I think this this just solidifies him. I've already said we all know he's he's my goat. What it both of you guys, Chris, I'll start with you. What where does this put LeBron James all time? Does it change it for you? Where is he in your uh. I all honestly, I think we've said this three times before. Like I've never liked the goat debate because it's so hard to compare errors, so hard to compare players. But what I will say for this is that everyone's got to continue to tip their cap to LeBron for his ability to keep playing at the level that he's at. I mean, he's he's going to be playing until his son comes into the league, and he's still going to be, you know, at an elite level. The fact that he's still doing as well as he is now and I thought it was poetic, really, that the Lakers lose that game in the very game where he, he breaks the record. Of course, that's what happens in a season like this. But, I mean, it's always been – it's always been 1A, 1B for me, for Jordan and, and LeBron, and I think that's just – it's always going to be like that for me and a lot of other people. But, I mean, we're watching the twilight of the greatest – second greatest, third greatest, first greatest, whatever you think, one of the greatest players of all time. And it's uh, hopefully once we talk about the trade deadline here for the Lakers, it's going to be a more memorable end to his career because he's still doing such crazy things. And Tim, Tim, where, where, where are you on that debate? Well, hats off to the King first and foremost. Um, he's definitely solidified himself as the greatest player of all time. You think about, you know, where Jordan was at when he was 38 years old, he wasn't doing nearly as much as what LeBron is doing at his current age. And, you know, when it's all said and done, he's going to be top five in about almost every category that you can think of. And so he's uh, what he's had, what he's been able to do with his body and keep the longevity going. He's kind of like the Tom Brady of basketball, where he's just defying all the odds and beating father time. So hats off to the King. He's for me, he's the greatest of all time. And, Obviously, Jordan's right there at second, but I'm not going to be like Christian Nambu over here being 1A and 1B. you got to give a definitive response. And for me, it's hats off to the king. He's number one greatest of all time. Love that, Tim. I knew I, knew I wanted you on this podcast. I, lo- I, lo- I love <laughs> that answer. I always say the same. He's my, he's my guy. Mainly the main reason, obviously, unbelievable talent. I always just think he's the guy who made me fall in love with the game and watching his whole career has just been... Has just been unbelievable as a as an all round complete player. I mean, there's there's no one better. He's probably the most complete player you've seen. I I probably say since since Larry Bird, all round the all round stats that he produces, points, rebounds, assists, 
can do it on the defensive end. He plays hard every night. Like Larry Bird was the most feared scorer in the NBA right up until about 88, 89. That's when Jordan really took over and, and Bird kind of started to go down. And LeBron has been like that for maybe he's not quite the most feared scorer at the moment, but he's still averaging 30. He's still averaging 30 a game. He's he's had to step up in his last two years. He's 37, 38 year old seasons. He's averaging 30 a game, which is just absolutely insane without really taking away from the assist numbers or anything else like that. What this guy is doing is just unbelievable. I know guys talk about errors. The only thing I say about in the GOAT debate is if you're going to say it's Jordan or Kareem or whoever your guy is, do it by hyping them up. Don't just come at me and be like, oh, LeBron lost six finals. That That's why he's so much worse than Jordan. Just say Jordan was a better player. Jordan played in six finals. He won six finals. That's fair enough. It's just everyone always tries to belittle whatever achievements LeBron James makes to like keep him away from Michael Jordan. And, and, and I hate that aspect of it. Yeah, I think there's too much there's too much nuance to to that too. In terms of like and that's why I don't like the goat debate too, because they're two completely different players. Right? Especially when people come up with uh, the question of like, oh well, who do you want taking the last shot? Like that's not that doesn't define who is the better player. I think LeBron is a different kind of um basketball player than Jordan. Like they approach the game very differently, for better or for worse. And a last shot scenario, obviously you're given to Jordan, but for a whole game who's helping guys around him be better. I mean, over the course of his career, it's been Jordan. It's been uh, LeBron. I mean, Jordan did it the years where they asked him to. But it's, I, I think, when we think about eras, an interesting way to look at it, because it's always looking backwards instead of forwards. Who, even in the league, could come close to what LeBron has done over his career? That I think that's an interesting way to look at it, because I can't see any one player in this league. I mean, some people might say Luka, but... I think at this point in his career, Luca's still not he's still not the dominant player that LeBron was early in his career. I mean, Luca's still an amazing player, but I think that just goes to show like how LeBron has been since he came into the league. I mean, him and Kobe until Kobe retired. So the, the last few years of Kobe's career, it's been LeBron James. And I don't think there's any player, maybe Giannis, you could say, but to come close to what LeBron has done across the board i don't see anyone doing it yeah so yeah, are you happy right. have, have you have we have we uh kissed lebron's I, I, I ass like enough that. for you I, 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 I enjoyed that yes thank you i think all right uh, it's still still not this is this is the trade deadline more. podcast right I, I don't know deserve, i might have joined the wrong zoom love. meeting he still deserves more <laughs> love the guy he, he's the man respect lebron amazing record he's probably going to finish with forty thousand points by the time it's all said and done which is just seems absolutely insane. But yes, this is the trade deadline podcast. Let's get talking trades. The blockbuster went down. The Brooklyn Nets go full rebuild. Kevin Durant is now a member of the Phoenix Suns. Durant and Warren to Phoenix. Jay Crowder, Mikael Bridges, Cam Johnson, four unprotected first round picks are headed to Brooklyn. What does this trade do for the Phoenix Suns? <laughs> uh, I, I think the answer is obvious. Like that's they're they're the favorites now, right? I mean, Tim, would you say the favorites? I, I feel like that's pretty obvious, right? Uh, I think they're favorites in the West, but I I do think the Celtics match up well against them. But you know, obviously, we'll talk about that in a little bit. So go on, go on. Yeah, yeah. 
But I think just looking at it on the floor, you you look at a lineup with Chris Paul and DeAndre Ayton, what they've been able to do in the pick and roll, what uh, Devin Booker has been able to do uh, off the dribble in the mid-range. Chris Paul as well. They have two elite mid-range shooters, and then they added a third. Kevin Durant, they have three. I'm saying this off the cuff, but I believe it's three of the top five uh, pull-up mid-range shooters. So good luck defending any pick and roll there. DeAndre Ayton's going to eat. You can't double that because you have – two of the best ISO scorers in the league and Devin Booker and Kevin Durant. And like, it, it's just, it's a nightmare. I don't, I don't think any teams, at least in the West can match up at all defensively and defensively too. I think this is a worry that I had and I'll pose this to you guys. Where do you think they, they end up um, on the defensive end? Cause I, I may have a more positive outlook, but do you think they take a step back? Absolutely. Take a step back. Um, you know, their offensive firepower is going to be through the roof and it's going to be like something we've never seen since maybe the Golden State Warriors days with Kevin Durant. But, you know, they shipped off their best defender in Mikhail Bridges and of course they needed to do so. And you're getting Durant, who is a decent defender, but I almost imagine that they're going to take a step back and be middle of the pack type of defense, uh, but their offense is going to likely level it out. But they 100% took a step back on the defensive end. Yeah, I completely agree on that. that. I completely agree on that. I mean, you can't trade away a guy like Mikael Bridges and and not expect your defense to take a hit. And there's going to be a bit of pressure on on Durant coming back off uh, this uh, slight injury setback. He was playing at a pretty good level defensively in Brooklyn. Can he sustain that now for the rest of the year and and into the playoffs? That's that's a question mark. You got to you got to level against him. Then you also take a look at it and think, what way is their defense actually going to work? Uh, the way, like Chris Paul is obviously taking a bit of a step back on the defensive side as well, right? And it's just going to be tough to see how the flow is going to be, at, like at elite level, offensively. Yeah, absolutely, they're going to be unbelievable if they're not the number one offense from the moment the tree the trio start playing together to the end of the year i i will i will be absolutely shocked but defensively they're going to take a hit but you have to think the offense will be so good that no one's even going to be thinking about their defense until maybe we get to playoff time and it's a bit more of a crucial situation yeah i i don't know middle of the pack though like right now they're eighth like how far do you think they'll sink 20th no 15th 15? That's what I would say. Middle modest, of the pack is, is me is like 15. So they're going to take a few steps back for yeah. sure. Because so I think the metric is is they're going to be a top three offense. Can they maintain a top 10 defense to really be like a true like championship favorite? And I I think it's it's a tough it's tough to like look at losing Mikhail Bridges and say like oh they're they're gonna stay the same. But I mean Kevin Durant was I mean he, he was gonna be on an all all defensive team this year. Uh, depending on if if him missing games is going to hurt his uh, candidacy for that. But his defense, tremendous in Brooklyn. You're adding that there. And I think in a way that you didn't get with Mikhail Bridges, he's a great rim protector. He's not anywhere close to the perimeter defender that Bridges was. But honestly, like the the Suns outside of Aiton didn't really have a rim protector. And now they get two on the floor with Aiton and Durant there. And I think Tory Craig, I mean, he's not, he's not Mikhail Bridges. But he still provides wing defense. I don't know if they're going to start throwing minutes to Okogi. I mean, he's a guy that really didn't belong in uh, Timberwolves because they just needed 
more offense there and he just didn't provide that but maybe there's spare minutes for a guy like him when you saw guys like uh gary payton jr get minutes with the warriors just because of his defense because their offense was so gifted maybe that's a situation they have here in phoenix but i I think they have options like they have a way to maintain defense and i think devin booker also doesn't get enough credit for how much he's improved defensively um on on ball defense but I, i think that regardless no matter how you cut the pie here i mean he this is the best starting lineup in basketball now and the words that you said this is going to be like uh, I, I forget what words he used but it was it seems oddly reminiscent of when brooklyn made that trade and we're like oh this is going to be one of the greatest offenses in history blah 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 so i think we're a little bit more hesitant to to make uh these kind of predictions now well, maybe it'll help if they play more than what, like sixteen games together. That'd be that'd be <laughs> that'd be a plus if we see if we see that happen. I think hopefully KD comes back fully healthy now after the All Star break, and then we get to we get to see the real the real trio. We get to see the real star lineup out there. But at the end of the day, they've they've gone all in. The Phoenix Suns have gone all in, and obviously, it is great to see that. It's great to see teams with that sort of ambition. But you gotta say now they now the pressure's on them to win. Before they were kind of they were still kind of the underdog and like obviously it was still crazy. They got to that that NBA finals, then they had that unbelievable season last year. They they lose in seven games to the Mavericks. There's no excuses now. They've got they've added Kevin Durant. This team is healthy, they have got to win it all. Simple as that. Yeah. Do we talk now? Do we do we switch now to the to the other trade out of Brooklyn? The Kyrie Irving is now a Dallas Maverick. Two guys have coming. moved from the East to the West. The West has gotten uh, gotten a bit stronger. Two teams that needed that. Other stars, two kind of surprising teams. Maybe not Phoenix wasn't too surprising. They were the team most touted when KD originally uh, requested a trade uh, before the before the start of the season. But Kyrie to Dallas, that kind of came out of nowhere. Yeah, Tim, do you remember when? Uh... When the trade went down for Kyrie to to Boston, and the reporting, it, it was again so many similar things happened again, and the tweet was something like Kyrie ecstatic to be in Boston, yep. looking forward Absolutely. to joining the team, like literally copied and pasted <laughs> for the Seriously, situation. Though. Yeah, uh, unbelievable. Do you think he lasts there? Does he play with the Mavs next season? What Absolutely are the chances? Not. <laughs> no, zero percent okay. chance. Zero percent complete rental. Um, that's my opinion. I think that he's going to end up in a Lakers uniform next year, and I think that that's where he wants to go. And he's made that clear. And you know, it's going to be LeBron's last few years, or at least last year or so, with uh, the team. And you know, he's had a relationship with Anthony Davis, so I def- definitely think he angles his way to LA in free agency of next year, as long as LA wants him. But I would say the percentage for him returning to Dallas is. As as good as zero percent, yeah, that's pretty yeah. pretty grim percentage. Are I you think, in the same boat? I, I think I'm in the same boat. I, wow. Don't get me wrong. I, I think he can do a lot for them this year. I think he's going to be a great addition beside Luca. I think offensively, the two of them together are going to be a real dynamic duo. I think he can absolutely do everything Jalen Brunson could do and more. Yep. So you look at that and you think. That's a great addition. This is a team that got to the Western Conference Finals last year. Defense, of course, going to take a hit losing losing uh, Dorian Finney-Smith. But you add an offensive piece like Kyrie Irving, you can't say that that doesn't tilt uh, 
tilt games in your favor. They've got now the 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 best first quarter scorer and the third quarter scorer and Luca and the best fourth quarter scorer and Kyrie Irving on your team. If they can keep games close, you're gonna favor the uh, the Dallas Mavericks to win any night. It's just a question of how does their defense hold up now? Because I I love the fit. I I think people have kind of described it similarly to what we saw when Kyrie played with LeBron James. Not to say that Luca is exactly the same as LeBron James, but he's a similar sort of type of player. He is quite ball dominant. Kyrie will be able to play off him. They are going to work well together. People are trying to say, oh, no, it's two, two the same player. They're not going to be able to work well at all. That's just not true. Kyrie Irving, I think, has has made himself the the best second star of this era, you could argue. He's he's right up there in the top two or three in terms of the the number two guy. And Luca is a is an elite level number one. So I don't see how it can't at least be exciting, even if it is only for a few months and one playoff run. If it's one playoff run, then what what's their what's their ceiling? You got Luca, Kyrie, uh Reggie Bullock, if he's playing like he did the other night, that's, that's a pretty good sign. Um, Maxi Kleber, hopefully he's healthy. Powell, Christian Wood, they're still sorting things out. But with the talent they have in this roster, what, what's what's the ceiling here? I'll go on that one. I guess you have to say it's the NBA Finals because they got to the Western Conference Finals last year. But after the trade the Phoenix have just made, the strength of some of the other teams in the Western Conference. I just don't think the defense will be able to hold up enough, and I still feel like their ceiling probably is the Western Conference Finals, but they caused surprises last year, and they can absolutely do that again this year. Yeah. Yeah, no, a great point. I believe that – I think their ceiling is the Western Conference Finals. I don't think that they're going to get over the hump to the finals, and – I think the NBA would love to see a Western Conference Finals, Phoenix versus Dallas, KD versus Kyrie, and like you know, get a rematch of last year's playoff just with two star caliber players inserted on each team. And so I don't believe that Dallas will get over the hump and get to the finals. So that's why I say that their ceiling is the Western Conference Finals. Yeah, it's it's just a, it's tough now that we have to gauge like how much better uh, these other teams have gotten. But I, I do think about the run that they made and you you think about how they're just like a couple runs away from, from trying to win some of these games against the, the Warriors. And, you know, when it comes down to those moments, you have a guy like Kyrie Irving and that becomes a little bit more possible. You're not relying on Jalen Brunson to continue to push beyond, you know, what he normally does. You're expecting a guy like Kyrie Irving to play like the star that you know him to be and Luca to continue to grow. And, you know, he, he's going to really benefit the most. I think, the biggest part about this trade is allowing Luka Doncic to just take a breather. Like he doesn't have to, you know, hold it down for this team all season long. He can rely on Kyrie Irving to take it up in some of those moments. But at the end of the day, this is the move that, you know, the kind of move that the Dallas Mavericks have been pushed to make and they made it regardless of whether it works next season. I mean, they took a big risk and if it works out this in the postseason, maybe he does stay. I don't, I don't think it's zero. Because it will be complicated to, for Kyrie to find him his way onto the Lakers with like a contract extension. Like he's going to get the most money with the Mavericks at this point, and to do it alongside a star like Luca, if they can gel, that I mean, that's that gives him a chance. I don't think it's a uh, said and done. Yeah, the so, money so is what's the percentage? 
The money's <laughs> right. I'm going to come down to that. That's real. The, <laughs> the I, I, 50 50. I think it's a 50 50. That's because high. That's high. That I, dude it, is a flight risk. It's pretty low when, when you when you basically jettisoned all your final assets, but I, I'd say it just comes down to the fact he's going to get the most money, like Ronan said, and it comes down to the fact that I think he will find success with the Mavericks. Yeah, I think that's fair. What do we do? We got it. We have to talk about the Nets side of things, though, don't we? The Nets have failed once again. I, I mean, <laughs> the Nets have got to be the worst run franchise in basketball, if not the worst run franchise in sports. It started oh. with with Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett. That was a horrendous decision. They traded a lot of assets for two players that were past their best. That was a massive failure. Then they actually go through drafting. They get a young pieces and they have a great year. What was that? 2017, 2018. They got, they got back to playoffs. Obviously, D'Lo announced himself to the world. Gerald Allen was that young hot piece. They had a great team that year. Then they managed to strike gold again, and they signed Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving in free agency. Then they go and add James Harden to that. They trade away a whole load of picks. They do all that. The, t- the trio plays 16 games together. They get a playoff run. Guys go down, toe on the line. They end up going down in seven games to the Milwaukee Bucks. Then James Harden requests a trade. He's gone to the 76ers. Then Kevin Durant requests a trade he stays around for a while then Kate, uh, Kyrie Irving requests a trade and then Ka- Kevin Durant is gone there's just something innately wrong with this this Brooklyn Nets franchise they they've swung for the fences once failed they swung again when they added Harden they failed they cannot seem to keep guys the stars happy within them they have to stop trying to skip skip over the the trials and tribulations of of creating a winning team. They've got to now try and actually build a team naturally through the draft and with small maneuvers. They've got to try. They've got to do it. the 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 Nets are just they're just awful. <laughs> that spoken like a true Knicks fan. Get out of here! Get out of here! You guys would have taken. All of that, a million times out of a million, you would have taken Kyrie and Durant and Kawhi and anyway, you would have you would have traded all of your firstborn children for the opportunity to do what the Nets did. And what so so in most of the league. I know that I would have done that. I'm just saying I well the, the Knicks probably would have fucked it up as well, but I'm saying <laughs> they Shut they up. ended up completely messing it up. They struck gold, but they completely failed. They tr- they swung for the fences with that Garnett Pierce trade completely failed they try these things if, and it just blows up in their face if you had if you had told if if you had looked at this situation you you rewind back to when we first saw the trade and you were to look into a crystal ball and find out that Kyrie Irving would have done all the things that he did to cause a controversy and the strain that he did on that team and for the injuries to happen when they did and for Kevin Durant's toe to be on the line for them to not advance like so many like minute things and unexpected things came along the way. I, I'll actually give the Nets credit to be to be honest. Like the Paul Pierce thing, we, we got to say too that the Paul Pierce Kevin Garnett trade that was made by that was one of the dumbest moves of all time. But then they sold the team. It did change over, and they organically built a team. And I think this is what's interesting. They they organically built a team um, with the All Star D'Lo, Karis Lever, Jared Allen, and all of them. They they built up these guys that were not were kind of cast aside. 
and found meaningful players on on that team and then they flipped it into stars and that and you know that's what you do i mean they they did grow organically they built up rebuilt up their assets and took advantage of their market but it's funny to me that they're literally back at square one they're back where they began um but I think we could, we could look at this from the Nets organization side of things. We could look at this from the Kevin Durant side of things. But um, I mean, Tammy, like you, you were talking about Mikhail Bridges. I mean, now they got a lineup. They got Cam Thomas who scored 134 points in his last three games. Mikhail Bridges, who is defensive player of the year runner up. Cam Johnson, who's one of the premier three and D players in the league. Uh, ben Simmons, and then Nick Claxton, who's definitely going to be uh, in the top five and defensive player of the year uh, voting this year as well. I mean. Tim, how do you feel about this young squad? Because like this is, this is actually like going to be a very competitive, defensive-minded team, team-first kind of team, and um, I think it'll actually be fun to watch uh, this squad play. Yeah, no, I'm excited about seeing the pieces fit. Um, it's it's astonishing to see how far back Ben Simmons has come since when he last stepped on the floor with the 76ers. So if he can even come back to closely the person he was, well, then all of a sudden they have something decent right there. But honestly, you know, I do give the Nets credit. You know, if they were to flip things and get two stars, every team is going to do that 99% of the time. Unfortunately, Kyrie Irving is who he is. And Kevin Durant put all his chips in with someone like Kyrie and it turned out not to work, but um it also, it makes me think, you know, who's ever going to sign with Brooklyn again? You know, it kind of turned turned real bad real quick. And the way that I link, I think about it is that when they traded for Harden, they gave up tons of picks. I don't know how many it was, but there was pick swaps and there was picks. And essentially by trading Kevin Durant away, they just received those, they received four picks back. So it's not like they doubled up on picks. They just received more picks back that they already pushed back out. And so... I'm interested to see how the pieces fit. I mean, it, I'm excited for Cam Thomas. He seems electric, but at the same time, you know, it starts with, you know, is Ben Simmons going to take control and be like the player he was paid to be, or, or is he is, is he is who he is. And right now it looks like he is who he is. But my question mark is like, how are the Nets ever going to rebound from this? Like, how are they going to ever sign a prominent free agent? I don't see that really happening. So yeah, they have to start from square one and it's just pretty funny that they shipped off uh, four picks or however much it was to Houston. Now they have, they received four picks back by trading away Kevin Durant. It just come full circle. And uh, it's been entertaining to see, to say the least as a Celtics fan. So. <laughs> well, let, let me tell you what, like best, let me say best case scenario. I'll, I'll try to be succinct with this. We don't have to talk too long on the nets here, but they still have shooters and playmakers off the bench who they were not reluctant to trade. And I mean, the, the, tr- the picks that they traded, I think it's what the next five years, the next five years of swaps and unprotected firsts is, is that what it is or four, Somewhere four or five market. doesn't matter. I mean, they, they are not recouping lottery uh, level uh, picks until maybe after if, if Durant's gone in, in four in three years uh, in Phoenix, but, you know, looking at this lineup, I mean, Ben Simmons, you're putting the ball in his hands more to be a playmaker He's got three-point shooters around him. He's got a a true five. Claxton has proven that he, he can do that. And he's got shooters. So if this is a team that, you know, he – the Otis is on him to be a playmaker and you're not going to – you don't have anyone to dish it out. To. I mean, Cam Thompson is going to take as many shots as he wants to, but Mikhail Bridge is not a true playmaker. Cam Johnson is not a true playmaker. And you need someone to, to set up 
Claxton. That that I think is going to be an issue between both of them. Like they need someone to set the floor. Um, and Dinwiddie definitely is going to be able to help with that. Dinwiddie's one of the better uh, pick and roll players in this league, and I think he's going to mesh very well with Claxton. But that's the best case scenario. Like Ben Simmons, like you know, steps up and figures things out with a very low pressure system. I mean, they, they're they're not going for a championship. Like you just got to play your game. And this could be like one of the best defenses in basketball. I think Vaughn is going to coach his team up. They've been a top five defense since he started. And if they can embrace that identity, I think this is going to be a fun team. This is going to be a team that is actually not going to be fun to face in the play-in or in the playoffs. And I think they could still hold on to a playoff run given this team. I, I don't think they're going to slide that far given how good they could be defensively. And they, they still have – they still have a coach who I think has has shown that he can he can inspire greatness. Like they they clearly were a lot more on point, more competitive, more communicative on defense. I think the Nets maybe stick together here and continue to to push. They're not going to stay in the top four, but I think they'll be in the playoffs. Yeah, another yet another mistake that the the Nets made. They had all these these stars, and then they hired a rookie coach in Steve Nash, who was yeah. almost destined yeah. to fail because. It just doesn't happen. No, there are there are literally there's one example of a star becoming a good coach. That's Larry Bird. No other star player has ever really become a, 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 has ever been a great coach. And they brought him in as a complete rookie, never coached in the NBA before, to coach these these three stars. Obviously, it didn't help how little they were on the floor together. But that was another error by them. But I will say, it's going to be interesting to see what happens to Ben Simmons now clearly Ben is very, very fragile. He's now in a situation where there's literally no pressure. Can he get himself back to all-star level? Can he be the lead guy? Can he be the D'Angelo Russell of this era for the Brooklyn Nets? That'd be great to see. It'd be great if Ben can can bounce back like that. Is it still there? Is it still there? We're, that's the question I maybe by the end of the season will have answered. Is, is it is that talent? Is that level of uh, level of game still there with Ben Simmons? I think we'll have the answer to that question. I think by the end of this season, but I I do agree. I I don't see them falling off a cliff or anything like that. So I definitely think they could still end up as a top six seed or at least in the play, and no one will want to face them. I think you're right there, Chris. Mm. Um, where are we up to next? Where there's too much happened. This is probably the craziest trade yes. trade deadline of all, all time. Quickly, what, what what's our grade for the Bucks getting Crowder? That's C, an A plus. C, a plus, really? C a C what? I was thinking C, C, the, C plus B minus. I was, I was around that mark. Jay Crowder was the like wing to get for a contending team, and everyone's like, "Well, how are we going to get him without a first round pick or like a young talent or anything?" And they got him for like, what was it five second rounders? And who cares about second rounders? Like. You buy those for cash every draft. It happens. Uh, that's an A, A, an A. Maybe I won't get an A plus. I'll give that an A. What do you think, Tim? Oh, it's an excellent trade. Given what just Christian just said, uh, five second round picks. That's that's nothing. And so you do get someone who is a dog, a good def- defender, can shoot it well, and he's just kind of a winner. He wherever he goes, he plays well, and the teams play well, and he he is somebody that you look to to have on your team and to get them for five seconds, in my opinion, is basically nothing because how many second round picks like truly pan out 
you know, it happens ever so often. And so I wouldn't go as far to say it's an A plus, but I'd hover around the B or B plus just given what they gave up for that type of player. And, you know, that's going to just make the Bucks a little bit more tough to beat. Yeah. yeah and he... Something they needed, something they needed to be fair. They need, it always felt like a, a natural home for Jay Crowder. It always felt like he was going to end up there. And if yeah. he's up there playing close to kind of like Bobby Portis level come playoff time, I'd say that's probably something that's in their mind, that sort of level. He can come in there with cover. Obviously, he hasn't played this year, so it might take him a little bit while to get up to the pace of things. But I think they'll be looking at him to be a real contributor for them uh, by the time we're getting to, getting to the playoffs, for sure. Yeah, and just defensively, think about a lineup with Holiday, Middleton, Crowder, yeah. Giannis. Wow. And Brooke Lopez. Have fun scoring on that. That's it's not tough. gonna happen. That is true. That is that that is true. A nice small move by Milwaukee, but one that could definitely have an impact uh come uh, come playoff time. So let we'll, we'll stay out in the in the east. We'll go to the we'll go to the west later. We haven't really talked a lot of east. A, a surprising one was the three team trade between the Warriors, the Hawks, and the Pistons. James Wiseman yeah. is now a piston. Sadiq Bay is now a hawk. Where what do we what do we think about this deal? What do we think about James Wiseman going to the Detroit? I think is that a, is that a good move for him, Chris? I'm gonna let you answer on this because you're always a fan of James Wiseman. What do you think about this? <laughs> what? Don't put that on me. What do you mean, fan of James Wiseman? I've I've only ever said he. I I thought he could have been great with with Steph. Steph in Golden State, but I I think I've lost that sentiment like last year. But I'm confused as hell. I don't get it. I don't understand why the Pistons. Um, I, I kind of understand like from a business perspective, like what happened because you have to look at this from the perspective that Sadiq Bay didn't generate a lot of interest in the trade market. Um, I think he was his value is definitely overinflated, and. In that scenario, you know, if he's, it seems like he was losing traction with the coaching staff, like in terms of his shot selection, in terms of, um, you know, what he wanted to do with his game. But I think it's ironic that he ends up with the Hawks where he's going to do even less. But I don't understand why you trade for Wiseman when you get, when you got Jalen Duran. You already got Isaiah Stewart. I mean, Marvin Bagley even like has looked a little like comfortable being a, you know, six man type of big. So, what what are you gonna do with Wiseman and Dern when you have two guys who are blue chip prospects who virtually are, you know, there are some nuances between who they are as players, but they're virtually the same guy. Or they haven't proven anything yet. Like I, I don't understand how you figure that out at all. Twin Towers? Jared Allen, Mobley. Yeah, that's that, worked that, out. Would that work? No. Is that possible, you think? I I don't think so at all, because I don't when we've talked about this with with uh, the Cavs, there's such a unique case because Jared Allen is uniquely skilled as a passer in the post. Um, Mobley is also uniquely skilled as a passer. They move the ball quickly. And that has not been something that we've seen from Wiseman at all. Um, and we haven't seen enough of Duran to even know what he is as a player. And I think this is a, this is a big thing in the league where there are situations look at Lowry Lowry Markinen. Mm-hmm. This guy has just absolutely taken off. Finding a role in a team where his value is known, his role is known, and he's at the position now where he's blossomed into that physically 
and like mentally as a as a player you got to let players have the opportunity to do that and when you put two players in the same kind of situation and there's uncertainty there like how is how are they going to respond to that maybe like it's it's like in denver when it was so obvious like Jokic made it clear like i am just leagues ahead of nurkic but, but if you don't have that then both these guys continue to be stunted wiseman continues to to feel not confident in his role maybe during the same and maybe you ruin both these players but i think that's a real danger you run it's not like you just get all these assets and all these players and they just develop equally like you need to not only have the time on the floor but you need to have the confidence that you know you're wanted on a team you're valued and you actually have a direction as that team's player because they both do the same thing yeah tim are you, are you feeling that way too it's certainly a head scratcher in my opinion and it's back-to-back years where the detroit pistons trade for a big last year was marvin bagley and this year it's james wiseman but you look at their roster and all their players i'm pretty sure are lottery picks and so they're super young uh they obviously have plenty of potential but uh, Christian's point. I'm a big fan of Jalen Duran. I don't think that they need mm-hmm. to. I didn't think that they needed to go out and get another big. And honestly, in a league where a big player like Wiseman are, they're almost being phased out. Almost where you know you need those stretch bigs that can really shoot the ball. And I, I understand that Wiseman is certainly young, but I just don't understand the philosophy for it. And a player like Sadiq Bay, uh, maybe he was a little bit overinflated, but. You know, he, he goes with what the league was going with. Uh, a small forward, three-point shooter can play good defense. And, you know, they, they made a move that, to me, it just doesn't make any sense. But, you know, at the end of the day, uh, Christian, you're right. It's going to hinder their ability to excel and grow as individual players. And I can't picture them going in next year with all these bigs on their lineup. They're going to have to make some more moves in the offseason and potentially flip that for – some type of waiting player or a guard or something along those lines, because they just got too much in that position and it doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely a, it's definitely a weird one. It kind of feels like they were one of the teams that aren't really doing anything. They they're not really doing anything this year. Kate Cunningham's obviously injured for the year. Warriors called them up to get them involved in this deal. Obviously they used it to, to bring Gary Payton back, uh, Back to Golden State, they they save a nice bit of money, I think, this year and then next year uh, after getting off of Wiseman. So it was good for the Warriors. It kind of feels like they just kind of bullied uh, Detroit into coming in <laughs> on this deal and, and making it happen. It feels like that's what happened. But moving on there, then the Knicks, they bring in Josh Hart from Portland for Cam Reddish and a lottery-protected first-round pick. And uh, pretty pretty solid deal. I mean... I'm happy with it. I mean, they bring in great rebounding, great great perimeter defense. He can play with pace. Not that the Knicks ever really play with pace, so we probably won't see too much of an impact from that. But defensively and the rebounding from the wing position, and if this guy can start knocking down his trees again, he could be a great addition as the, the Knicks look to make a, a run for the playoffs now in the second half of the year. Well, let me ask you, like, what, what like, need, area of need does he fill right now for the Knicks? All around defense, I think. I think Tibbs wants to get this team back playing at a at a top five, top ten defensive level. They get definitely back. were not doing it. Uh, yeah, have they, they ever did. been there to get back? I mean, the the year they made the playoffs, they were they were that was yeah, that was built enough. on Julius Randle on defense. This year, they've been a lot lower than normal Tibbs teams are, 
And that's why they go out and get a guy like Josh Hart. They trade off of uh, a guy, Cam Reddish, that clearly Tibbs had no interest in incorporating to the lineup. They are only giving away a pick that is lottery protected, so it's not too too uh, disappointing. So I think for the value there, I think it, it was a low-key, uh, really smart move from the Knicks, especially, obviously, defense and rebounding is his big thing, but if he can get back up to around like the 36, 37 mark on his threes as well, that'll be a plus for for uh, for the Knicks. Yeah. I think this is just more uh this is more nepotism. There's more Jalen Brunson nepotism. That's what it is. But you let you love to see them get a reunited, those uh Vanderbilt teammates. Maybe Mikhail Bridges will force his way from uh from across the river. Hey, I'd take that. <laughs> give me give me Mikhail Bridges in this uh in this Knicks lineup. I'd absolutely take that. All right, since we got we got Tim on, I guess we've got to talk about the Yet the another, major move. Yet another power <laughs> move from the Boston Celtics. I said it when they signed Malcolm Brogdon. It just <clears> felt like they were so in control, and this was another one. Trade away Justin Jackson. Like, who the hell is Justin Jackson? And two seconds to get a stretch big. He's shooting 39% from, uh, from three. Just another great move from this Boston team. They are just so strong. The team is already so strong, and they're making these small additions and they're just in that moment where everything just feels like it's working. And uh, I mean, Tim, what do you what do you think about this move? Just uh, obviously nothing major, but they're adding something that they needed. <laughs> no, you're right. It's a solid move. Uh, they they needed a another depth big, and they got that. And you know, this is someone who's not going to be playing a ton of minutes, but he's a stretch big. He's six foot eleven, so maybe he can give you ten minutes a night on a good night, but. He's your ninth or tenth man, but he, he fills a need for the role. So maybe we're not going to see as much as Luke Cornett. And times when Luke Cornett comes out, it can uh, be a mixture of uh, Muscala and, and Cornett. But I think it's an absolutely solid move because it's exactly what they needed. And now they have an open roster spot for the buyout market, which I hope that they fill it in with a wing or a guard or someone along those lines that can just add a little bit more depth on, on the two or the three. But, you know, this was just a move that just made sense. And it's exactly what Brad Stevens has done ever since he took over as GM. And that's build around the two stars and bring out the most in the two stars. And the best way to do so is to have a big that can shoot the three sitting on the three-point line. So when the defense caves in, kick it out to someone who's open. And you're right, Ronan, it's just been power move after power move. And they gave up nothing for a guy like this. And it's not going to put them over the top, but... It's a good death piece for someone like Justin Jackson, who barely played and when he did play, would crank it off the backboard and look horrible at the same time. But uh, it's a solid move from a death perspective, and it's exactly what I was hoping they would do. And so, you know, it's nothing major, but it's satisfying to for the best team in the league. Sorry, one sec, Chris. Is Will Barton <laughs> a guy that you'd like to see the yes. field? He's going yes, to be, he, be bought out by, by the Wizards. He's a guy you can see in Boston. Absolutely. That, that's my number one pick right there. Uh, I like Danny Green. I like Terrence Ross Is he if he, he's uh, bought out from Orlando. Those are my top three picks for, um, you know, filling in a good death piece. But, yeah, when I saw the news that Will Barton and uh, Washington are looking towards a buyout, that's just the best fit. And I know that Celtics have been linked to this guy for quite some time. Sorry, I'm just laughing that we're – we're just handing out little little awards for Mike Muscala trades. Hey, hey, 
But, but yeah. when you're uh, when you're 39 and 16, you get a guy like that. You know, that, that's all you can ask for. You didn't touch the core. You didn't touch any uh, of the key uh, bench pieces, and you added someone that they they needed. So, you know, you know I, I would have been happy with there. that. Chris I would I would have been happy. Chris is jealous that. that the Boston Celtics actually made a trade. He's, he's, yeah, I don't, yeah. Don't know much about that. <laughs> I would I would have traded for Justin Jackson for for nothing. Just to just to see <laughs> we made a trade. Um, but yeah, I, I do like that idea. Will Barton would be a nice little buyout. Um, maybe Russell Westbrook. Well, that's that's coming soon. We'll have to talk about it some other time. Are you staying in the East here? Yeah, we'll finish out the East here real quickly. Uh, obviously, Tybal is now over in Portland. Matisse Tybal, he's left the 76ers. Obviously, he, he was his minutes were completely shot this year because at the end of the day, he just could not produce anything offensively. The 76ers have added Jalen McDaniels. Maybe not as good a defender as Matisse Tybal, but a guy who can offer them more offensively and maybe he can contribute more minutes as, as part of this rotation. So I think kind of a strange move for Portland. Obviously they wanted to get more defense in after giving up Josh Hart, but I think it's a, it's a smart move for the 76ers to, to move off a piece that wasn't really part of their plans and maybe adding a guy that can, uh, that can offer them that bit more. Yeah. I mean, certainly a more, maybe not a, he's not a great shooter by any means, but definitely more, more willing shooter. Um, but just to switch things out, I just think he didn't look comfortable there. Um, I, I think great for hopefully he finds a, a role in, in Portland. Well, I don't know if we're going to talk about Portland now, but I mean, I, I don't know what they're we'll doing. There, Josh, we'll there, yeah. yeah. But yeah, we'll, we'll see, we'll see what, what ends up happening for them. Cause I, I did like Josh Hart out there. And what about, what about Jakob Porto? He's, he's in Toronto now. Uh, they only got to gave up Kim Birch, uh, a first and two seconds. A strange move to see him going to Toronto. Why, why are they, they, Went from being touted as maybe the biggest sellers of the trade deadline to being the guys that made one addition, another adding another big guy, and then not selling anyone. What what happened there? That was weird. I think it's a good move. I I, I think that was smart for them to shore up what they needed. They needed a rim protector. They needed a, a true center with size. And they got that, and a guy that is very familiar with the system. Um, and interesting to see him uh, reunited with Siakam. And I think, like we talked about with the Raptors before, they're going to be patient. They have very easy strength of schedule when they had one of the hardest ones in the first half of the season. And um, I think for, for anyone who's, who's been able to watch on the season, we know they've been inconsistent, but having size could really change things for them and, you know, give them the opportunity to, um, you know, play a little bit differently. And they haven't had the opportunity to, to play with size on the court and, Hurdle gives an opportunity to see that. Yeah, yeah. Tim, you thinking thinking that's a smart move? Is that a good a good place for 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 Pirtle? Yeah, it's an interesting place, but to your point, yeah, they went from potentially selling off Siakam and Fred VanVleet Jr. to all of a sudden adding Pirtle, and so I do think it, it is going to be good for their starting lineup. Now Siakam can go back to being the four and play alongside a big number five, and so. um they're interesting. I don't think it really puts them over the needle, but certainly I wouldn't want to see them in the first round. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah, I think that's fair. For final final trade for the for the Eastern Conference, Mason Plumley is got over to the Clippers <laughs> for Reggie Jackson. Whoa, that was a strange one. That was a real that was a real odd one. Now it seems Reggie Jackson is going to be bought out by uh, by the Hornets as well. So that's another guy who's going to be available uh, in the buyout market small move is it a bit of a weird one 
I mean, maybe they need to clear space. I, I can't lie to you. I've not done my my extensive homework on the Hornets, but the thing is they have a lot of young bigs and they haven't, you know, made a name for themselves there. Um, similar problem to what the Pistons are going to deal with, but uh, clearing the way to, to have their, have their bigs get on the floor and get some minutes could be important, but um, down year for Reggie Jackson, tough, tough to see him after the run he had a, a few years ago with the Clippers. Um, we'll see where he goes, but yeah, tough year for him. Yeah, it's been it's been rough. Uh, obviously, he was like the they're almost their star guy with uh, well, obviously Kawhi being out for the full year and and George being in and out of the team last year. I mean, Reggie Jackson was uh was the dude. It's kind of it's a shame it's had to to go this way now when maybe they could have looked at trading him maybe in the off season and they would have got a very uh a very good price. But uh, let's move over to the West, Los Angeles Lakers surprisingly had a really really good trade deadline without doing anything too major obviously they traded off russell westbrook but i think they've they've definitely improved their team and it would give you that little bit more confidence of them being able to make enough of a run to maybe get close to the playoffs but almost definitely get into the into the plan where I wasn't really feeling that way watching them over the last uh, the last few weeks. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm hesitantly hesitantly positive. Tim, Tim, are you feeling positive about that? I I'm not sure how I feel yet. It'll it'll take a little bit of time for me. Yeah, they absolutely needed to do something, and they got rid of Westbrook, which was their biggest piece that they needed to get rid of, and they added shooting around LeBron, which is what you need to do. And someone like Beasley, he needs to come up big. Um, mm-hmm. That's that's my number one person that I'm circling out all those guys that came in. It's like if he can produce, then all of a sudden he's paved himself into a nice role playing alongside Anthony Davis and LeBron James. But, you know, maybe with the presence of Russell Westbrook being off the team could like enlighten them to a sense. But, you know, they needed to do something. I don't think it's going to do anything for them in the Western conference because the Western conference got immediately much better. And so whatever the uh, Lakers could have done, wasn't even going to come close to what Dallas or Phoenix could do. And so it's uh it's a nice trade. It's nice moves. It's good to see, but it's not going to do anything for them in come playoff time. Yeah. I guess that's how I see it too. Cause like, it's, uh, there's a lot of positives I could say about it. Like number one, the shooting that that's been the biggest issue, like D'Lo and Beasley, Spacing the floor alongside LeBron James and AD, that's a massive upgrade. Massive upgrade. Um, they're not the most elite shooters you could have gotten, but they're willing shooters and they're good shooters. Um, they will take contested shots, and you know that's not something that you had on this roster before the deadline. Um, I think I'm still just worried about um, the defense. Even though you get uh, Vanderbilt, I think Vando is such an underrated defender. He's going to just absolutely blow up. Um, being in LA, having the spotlight and seeing the amount of effort that he puts out there. Like he's going to have, he's going to have a Alex Caruso level type of fandom out in LA because he just does all the little things. He's constantly like flying around the floor. Um, but having a true wing defender is something that I, I think they really needed. I, I don't know how they do that in the deadline. Obviously this, you know, you don't grade someone based on what they didn't do necessarily. Cause I think they did a lot to get better, but it is hard to grade this out while looking at what the the rest of the West has done and still feel like, you know, they made it to a championship level, level team. I will say though, that, you know, getting, getting Bamba in there, 
um, who I, I still think has not been given enough, enough run and enough consistency, maybe to demonstrate that he is worthy of more minutes. That's just been tough for him there in Orlando. Um, and Hey, there's a great track record of having bigs come from, uh, from Orlando to LA, right? Like history repeats itself, but I'm, I'm still, I'm still not sure about, about the, uh, the wing defense. That's, that's a big concern for me. Um, uh, but maybe AD Bamba, and Vanderbilt, like they're able to, to correct whatever issues they're gonna have on the perimeter because Beasley's not a good defender, Delo's not a good defender, Froder's not a great defender, and we already know that Rui Hachimura is not a true wing defender. So the bigs are gonna have their work cut out for them. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. I mean, I, I'm looking at it and like my my heart says they've they've done really well here. They they actually look like they could make a, they could go on enough of a run to actually get into the playoffs now, but in my head I'm like there's just no saving this Lakers team and, and unfortunately it's just gonna it's gonna gonna be disappointing yet again. But they made good additions. They 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 filled some gaps that needed to be done. This team is now this roster is now better than the one they had available to them before today which is something that I didn't think they were going to be able to do, especially after missing out on Kyrie. But I'm really interested to see if Mo Bamba starts for this team. I mean, the, the word has always been that AD wants to play the four. He doesn't want to play the five. When Mo Bamba started, he averaged 11 points, eight, eight boards, two blocks, shot 38% from three. You get AD happier. You fill Mo Bamba in uh, as your starter. You got a lot of good size there. Then you got LeBron, probably Schroeder and D'Lo. Then you got the likes of Beasley and Vanderbilt coming in off the bench. I mean, that's a much better roster. And if AD can stay healthy, don't know what the hell was up with him uh, on the, on uh, whatever day it was, Tuesday. I mean, he doesn't even react when LeBron breaks the record. Yeah, I don't know what that was about. That was weird. I, I want to really say weird. he's pissed off. I wanted to be like, give him some, cut him some slack and be like, ah, oh, he's just pissed off because they're losing. But he was absolutely horrendous for the entire game. Like, that's like one of the worst games I've seen Anthony Davis play all season. So there was definitely something going on there. I don't know if that's a, a mental side of thing. Was it a bit of jealousy? Just angry at the way they're winning, but it was very, very weird. They're in a better position now. Let's see if they can go on a run because they are under pressure and it's slowly getting to that time where you're thinking uh, if they don't go on a, on a at least like a four or five game winning streak soon, they're, they're not going to be able to make the playoffs and they they really kind of have to with the move that they make. Yeah, I will say that, on the again, on the positive end of things, how many games have we seen come down to just the Lakers shooting themselves on the foot and like losing by either bad luck or just, you know, lapses or just not having enough shooting, just like one score games, like overtime games that shouldn't have been there while LeBron's having a, a crazy night. So maybe it just takes, you know, addition by subtraction. You don't have Russ there that, uh, that Tim said enlightenment that maybe that'll enlighten this team and they'll, they right. will <laughs> just not having him there. But um, shout out to Kyle. For being for being Russ's number one fan and, and defending him, I, maybe Russ did get too much hate there. You know, hopefully he's on to a new chapter. But yeah, this is at least now, like. is he? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know how we're gonna give it to him now. But yeah, if this if LeBron's gonna go down this season, 
and he's going to do something major. He's going to win a championship. Doing it with a team like this is, I mean, that's how much more so for his legacy. This isn't, besides AD, this is not a star-studded team. This is a team of, of solid players that kind of fits him, but we'll see. Yeah, yeah. So we're gonna wait, wait and see now. Wait and see how this team ebbs and flows now, and in the in the coming weeks. Another part of that trade were, were the Timberwolves. They are no longer with D'Lo now. They've got Mike Connolly in there. They also added Nikhil Alexander Walker. Let's see if he can add some minutes there. But the addition of Mike Connolly is a real interesting one. Can he be more of the type of point guard that? that Anthony Edwards needs for the Timberwolves to flourish? Mm. Tim, I'll let you take that. <laughs> well, I certainly hope so, but he is so far past his prime. Like, I don't yeah. know if you're going to get much out of him, but, you know, when Carl Anthony Towns comes back, it's an interesting team. You know, I've always thought the T-Wolves were an interesting team, but, you know, much like the Lakers, they're not going to do much in the playoffs time just because of, you know, the powerhouses in the West got a lot more heavy. And, you know, for the T-Wolves, you add someone like Mike Conley, that doesn't move the needle. You know, maybe it makes their team a little bit better by maybe one, two, maybe three wins. But I don't really know if it's going to – if if that's something that Anthony Edwards would need. But I just – it doesn't feel like it's, it's something that's going to push them over the edge. Yeah, I'm not – I'm not hugely – into it because well I, I think two things one is some cost is such a is a major issue in you know making a lot of these decisions especially when it comes to gms and gms that need to continue narratives to keep their jobs and not look like they're floundering and you know uh point case in point uh chicago bulls who are undoubtedly going to talk about continuity and blah 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 but you know i, I think the the Timberwolves recognize that there's a serious issue with how they're constructed and recognize the decline of Gobert's play and you know through that recognize that he played a lot better with Conley he played a lot better with a a more heady point guard who's you know able to you know play make a lot better for a rolling big we thought that we'd get a little bit more of that uh from D'Lo but that has not come about and there's little reasons for that very very little reasons for that um and I think that's more of an indictment on Gobert to not Gobert and D'Lo did not figure it out, but I don't think Conley is there to replace D'Lo's production, but to amplify what you get out of Edwards and Gobert. And if we're answering that question alone, I think I think he's going to set the table better. He's he's a more he's more stable. You know what you're going to get out of him. You're not expecting him to to score in bunches. You're expecting him to, you know, steady the defense and being a great point of attack defender. He's still a great defender. And he's going to steady the offense by being a more responsible uh, playmaker. He's not going to be as flashy as D'Lo, but I think he's going to he's going to um, stabilize what they do there. And at times, it just felt too hectic throughout this season with with uh, D'Lo and Anthony Edwards. You didn't always get the responsible playmaking out of out of D'Lo, but that's also just not who he is. So it's good that they recognize that they weren't in the place they want to be, but it's tough when you're looking back at the fact that they recruited D'Lo so heavily, he's Cat's good friend, and this was supposed to be this great uh, combination of offensive talent, and he was a big picture of that. And I think the big picture is tough, but they, you got to make changes when you're in the West, and you got to have to you have to figure out what you're going to do when you have a talent like Edwards, and you 
went all in with Gobert. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think uh, it was also the the element of a move. Like we discussed it with last week when we talked about the Timberwolves. Russell was slowly feeling like he wasn't going to be the, the, the point guard for this team when they were really going and trying to challenge. And, and it was kind of the idea of getting some quick, value yeah. for him now. <laughs> Getting some value yeah. for him now. They 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 traded off him. They 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 got they got a guy back that has shown that he knows how to play with uh with Gobert. He's gonna be a lot more solid defensively, and that's gonna help being alongside uh Anthony Edwards. So I think it's a smart move from the Timberwolves. How much it changes things for them, we'll have to wait and see. But a smart move for them. Don't think we need to discuss the Jazz. Really, they're also part of that trade. They got Russ, JTA, Damian Jones. They got a top four protective pick. Good on the Lakers in fairness for for uh for getting getting that element in. I thought it would be have to be an unprotected uh, an unprotected pick, but they did Check well this to out. get that in. I, I think the protection is if it doesn't convey, it immediately conveys into a second round pick. That's a crazy protection. I think yeah, I think there are even two second round picks or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So they yeah, they got one weird. shot. Yeah, it was it was a, it was a very very smart move. That was the twenty twenty seven pick as well, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So that's 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 a really good work from from the Lakers, but obviously Jazz they they don't really come into the equation just too much. They're probably going to buy out Russ, and then he's going to be on the open market, and the Jazz are are where they're at. So uh, moving on from there, uh, Eric Gordon to the Clippers. We all we've been talking about it for what like two three years now. When's Eric Gordon going to get out of Houston? Who's he going to go to? He is headed to the Clippers. Luke Kennard is headed to Memphis. Danny Green and John Wall are back. Well, Danny Green for the first time. John Wall is now back in Houston after being bought out by them. Probably going to be bought out again. But what do we do? We like to fit Eric Gordon in uh, in Los Angeles. Tim, what do you think about Eric Gordon uh, being added to this Clippers unit? Well, you know, anytime you can get a a wing three player three point shooter is going to be good, especially playing alongside Kawhi and Paul George. That's a that's a great type of player that you need, and so. It's a minor move, but at the end of the day, I think that that's a winning player and somebody that can uh, excel a team and help them thrive a little bit better. And so I like it from the standpoint of just playing alongside those two players. I think, you know, adding somebody that can just spot up and shoot is exactly what you need. And that's he's a great player in that sense. And so I like that move. It's a small move. But at the end of the day, Luke Kennard, he didn't really do much for me with that team. You know, he he shined in some spots, but also he was uh, behind the scenes in a lot of it. So, bringing in Eric Gordon is a good move for LA. I, I like I like the thought of uh of Luke Kennard in in Memphis though, and not to jump off the Clippers. I I mean, end of the day, you you get more depth on this team. We thought they'd be like the deepest team in the league beginning of the season, and a lot of this hasn't pan, panned out. Uh, Bones Highland, though, I will mention that. Like Bones, maybe you get an opportunity here. Um, we'll see now that you don't have uh, John Wall on the team. Bones might have an opportunity to, you know, maybe. I think if you're comparing him and Terrence Mann, I, I would, I would love to see Bones sneak his way into the starting lineup. You, you hide him when you got Paul George and Kawhi there. Um, a lot more perimeter defense to, to help out with some of the lapses that he has on that end. But Eric Gordon. And you're compiling a deep team that, that you know when you're playing in the playoffs, you, you got guys like that. They know how to succeed. They know how to fight through a a series. Eric Gordon's been there, time in, time out, and back in the Clippers uniform. You love to see it. 
Well, let's talk Grizzlies. I I think that's a very low key move. You know, a lot of people. I mean, see, I mean, that is what Luke Kennard was like. He he didn't turn into this. Um, you know, he didn't have the the moment that like a Joe Harris had. He didn't have a moment that like a Seth Curry had. He didn't have those like elite shooter moments. He didn't turn into their JJ Redick. Um, but he's quietly been like one of the best three point shooters in the league, shooting forty four percent from three this year, and. That's exactly what the Grizzlies need. And the Grizzlies are winning games, just dominating in the paint on both ends of the floor. Number one in points in the paint on the offense and number four in, uh, in opponents' points in the paint. But they're still in the bottom third and threes. They don't really have guys who are willing to gun from there. They only have Bain. Sometimes you got Tyus Jones, he has games like that. But you surround John Morant with Luke Kennard and Bain. I mean, that, I think it's going to open a lot of things up, actually, once you get both of those guys on the court. That could be a really helpful move for a team who doesn't have enough spacing on the floor sometimes yeah yeah it was smart of them to get involved in this deal i think that's a really a really uh like a lot of them to stay on trade deadline it was a low-key smart move that that gives them something that they didn't have before memphis they they've obviously been floundering just a little bit the of late ever since uh jam Morant started talking them up and how much they liked it in the west and all that it's kind of been <laughs> a bit all over the place it's yeah funny how things work out like yeah. that but uh on the on the Bones Highland trade, that just seems like a terrible move for Denver for two second yeah. round picks to give up Bones Highland. I mm. I don't understand that really at all. I know he hasn't been obviously what they were expecting this year, but to give him up with that low of a return, that felt like a really bad move from from a Nuggets standpoint. I he's been fine this year. Like he's he's been he's had his moments. He's had. Um, he's shown to continue to show like his prowess as a creator. He's a very, very creative scorer, but defensively it's not there. And if you're going to be complaining about minutes on a team that has championship aspirations and you're a young guy, you know, I, I think there are things that go into making these decisions that go beyond just, you know, what someone provides theoretically on the court or in the future. Cause you know, they're trying to make a push here. And I think that that matters. Well, I got a hot take. I think Denver Nuggets are the biggest losers in this uh, oh. trade deadline. That's a fact. Everyone in the East got or in the West got better, and they shipped off Bones Highland, so they essentially almost got worse. I mean, I don't know. They, they got Thomas me, Bryant. They got Thomas Bryant. Yeah. See, that doesn't do anything for me. And so I think that you know Denver, they were poised. They're the best team in the West. They have been all year, and you know for the longest time in the the power rankings it was you know denver number one boston number one you know flip-flopping one and two and you know i would say that uh they have to be the biggest losers of the trade deadline because everyone in the east got a lot better that gap is closed and for some reason it, it doesn't make any sense ronan yeah sending off bones highland for two second rounds just doesn't add up and you know i know he's not like this like star caliber player but he's somebody that can go and score in volumes and you need that in this league and so I don't understand it. There, to me, they're the biggest losers of the trade deadline. Yeah, I, I, I think I'd, I'd rather give more minutes to, to Ish Smith. To be honest, if we're talking a playoff scenario, like, I'd, honestly, that maybe that's great. Ish Smith is going to take care of the basketball. He's pesky on defense. He's not a defensive stopper, but he's going to to know his role. I mean, that's a veteran guy that you give minutes to, and then you avoid the awkwardness of you know having Bones complaining. I mean, especially when when you're approaching a, a playoff situation. And you and you need to get stops, and you got to play, you know, nineteen minutes of Bones Highland. 
if you're if you're relying on him to make smart plays, it's like a game six. Like that's that's a tough snare to be in. And if it's already starting to get toxic, I, I don't know if he became a problem, but it seems like that clearly was the the strain there that he wanted more minutes and he wanted more to roll. And that's just not what this this team was willing to do. But Tom, dude, Thomas Bryant is, I mean, he had some moments with the Lakers and that they really needed a a big off the bench. I, I don't think they they lost too bad here. Bryant's not gonna really make massive changes, but it was tough to see um games where you have Jokic come off the bench or go to the bench and then you have Zeke Naji, who's really not a true big, come in and try to defend opposing centers. At least they have the size there now that they needed. Yeah, maybe that that that, that was a, that was that's probably fair, but I still think the the bones deal that that kind of edges them out. But if you really want us to say it, fine, Chris. The Chicago Bulls are the biggest losers yeah. of the trade deadline by doing nothing. <laughs> let's let's put it that way. But then the Gary Payton the second is is back in Golden State. It's actually it's really funny that it's worked out like that because only like two weeks ago I randomly saw a video on uh on TikTok. I guess some Warriors fan had put it up of like highlights of of Gary Payton with a few like high flying dunks and that. And they're like, God, I missed this guy. Now 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 he's back in uh in San Francisco, and that's a, it's just a good addition for the Warriors. Obviously, they gave up on Wiseman to get him back, but I was surprised when he wasn't re-signed by the Golden State Warriors. I think he was a really important player for them on their title run last year, and I think they've done they've done well to to get him back, uh, get him back in the team. Yeah, nobody's talking about the fact that they're paying more money now than they would have if they had just re-signed him and then just dumped. Wiseman somehow. Yeah, that's true. But they think but not, not to rain on your little Wiseman. return parade. <laughs> <laughs> they are saving more money though, because I think uh, with the luxury tax now, I think they're saving seven million now for the rest of the year after getting rid of Wiseman. They're going to save thirty million then the following year. So I think uh, it worked out uh, the money wise. I think they they are in a, in a in a good place. I think I saw that. So a, a good move from them. Obviously the Warriors have been up and down all year. Guys have been in and out of the team. Curry's been had the those injury spells. It's gonna be interesting now to see if they can make a a run for the rest of the year. But the final few little trades that went down in the West, obviously Bryant to Denver. A plus Hey, you're going, you're going, A+. plus. You like that one. What about Dario Saric to OKC? That was a that was a weird one. Dario's ba- Basley in a second rounder going to the Suns. C plus, fine. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then what about Josh Richardson to the Pels? What do you think about that one? That one's good. Like, Pels, I think Pels need more consistent uh, defense. They need more three-point shooting. I'll give that a, that's a B, B plus. They, they haven't succeeded to the point where we thought they would at this point, but wing wing defense and three-point shooting. Josh Richardson has proven to be a more consistent three-point shooter this season. So I like that for them. That's a, that's a B plus. What are you thinking, Tim? Well, you know, anytime <laughs> you can add someone like that off the bench, it's good. And that Pelicans team, they can obviously use some depth on the bench. And so having a, uh, a three-point defensive player coming off of the bench is going to be solid for them overall. So I'd say a B or B plus is, is accurate. I thought yeah. Tim would have some Josh Richardson uh, PTSD, but you've, you've moved past it. Uh, I would take him back in a heartbeat. He'd be the perfect uh, Will Barton type player to come in uh, to fill the roster spot, but that's just me. <laughs> yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's wrapped up trade deadline. It's been a wild one. Uh, 
so many booze we probably didn't even we probably even forgot some we still talked about so many but yeah we're not going to roast the uh the blazers for uh fumbling whatever this deadline was but we'll i don't know alone, what I, the, I don't know what the blazers are doing we'll talk about them uh, more possibly on the next episode but still things to happen the bio market they're gonna look like it's gonna have john wall patrick beverly russell westbrook reggie jackson will barton Probably a few more guys are going to be out there. So there's still moves to be made by uh, by certain teams. We still have to see what happens. But the West has got a whole lot stronger. KD is a Phoenix zone. Kyrie is with the Dallas Mavericks. The Lakers have a more well-rounded team. The Chicago Bulls are the exact same. But- Continuity. <laughs> That's going to do it for today's episode. Thanks so much for sticking with us. My thanks to Chris for joining me. Tim, always great to have you on. We appreciate you joining us. And remember, guys, you like what you're hearing. Wherever you're getting your podcast, like, subscribe, comment. Give us a follow. Check us out on social media. We are everywhere at Coast to Coast NBA. And remember, take every shot and love every moment.